Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Macabre for Mortals. I hope that the last two episodes on schizophrenia has been interesting and informative to everyone. And this week I will be concluding the series on schizophrenia and focusing on its victims. I'll also finish off the list of famous people who have been successful by having great lives and great careers while living with the disorder. I'm coming up to um, my year anniversary of the podcast and I have been considering um, topics that I think resonate with the whole entire podcast and I don't necessarily want to start a series, I'd just like to have a standalone topic so I'm still throwing a few ideas about. So if you do have any ideas for me then please just drop me an email at macarphormortals at gmail.com. Let's get into this final part. When researching schizophrenia and victims, the most common scholarly research is into the relationship between the disorder and suicide. I'm sure most people would find the idea of suicide upsetting, and it has to take such a huge amount of will to complete. Have you ever tried to give yourself an injection? Diabetics or anyone with anaphylaxis will understand this. It takes a huge amount of courage the first few times to actually administer what is to be life-saving medication. But imagine trying to do something to yourself with the ultimate reason being to die. I find this topic so gut-wrenching as I feel like a person must be in so much pain physically and mentally to be able to complete this. I will leave some contacts into the show notes if you or anyone that you know feels that they need somewhere to reach out. In 1997, the American Journal of Psychiatry published an article by Helia et al. called Suicide and Schizophrenia, a nationwide psychological autopsy study on age and sex-specific clinical characteristics of 92 suicide victims with schizophrenia. As I mentioned, the risk of suicide in schizophrenia is high. It is estimated that about 10 to 13% of all persons suffering from schizophrenia actually die by suicide. The rate is consistently higher among men than it is among women. Several studies have so far investigated completed suicides among the groups of 15 or more suicide victims with DSM-3 or DSM-3R schizophrenia. In these studies, young adults, age, male, sex, and mean illness, duration under 10 years, have characterized suicide victims with schizophrenia. Some studies, however, have shown an increased rate of suicide mortality over the span of the illness. Comorbid depressive symptoms, alcoholism, previous suicide attempts and communication of suicidal intent have also been associated with suicide risk. These as well as some physical disorders have also been found to be associated with suicide in the general population. Mental health disorders, suicide method and history of previous suicide attempts 
have been found to vary with age and sex among suicide victims in the general population. And furthermore, among living subjects with schizophrenia, age, sex and illness duration have been related to various characteristics of outcome. However, to the researchers' knowledge, the effects of age, sex and illness duration on the suicide-related characteristics had not been studied previously in persons with schizophrenia. They expected age and sex-related variation in suicide risk factors among victims with schizophrenia. And the aim of this study was to describe clinically all suicides among subjects with schizophrenia in a nationwide representative population and to examine the variation of suicide-related characteristics with age, sex, and illness duration. The study was part of a national suicide prevention project in Finland. The definition of suicide was based on the results of a mediocological examination and police investigation, as required by Finnish law. But these were more detailed than usual during the research project. All suicides committed in Finland between April 1st, 1987 and March 31st, 1988 were carefully examined by using a psychological autopsy method. Ethical aspects were approved by the National Board of Health and the Ethics Committee of the National Public Health Institute. Altogether, there were 92 suicide victims with DSM-3R schizophrenia. 90 of them also fulfilled the DSM-4 schizophrenia criteria, representing 7% of all suicides in Finland. To the researchers' knowledge, this was the first nationwide population psychological autopsy study investigating all suicide victims with DSM-3R schizophrenia over one year. They found the prevalence of 7% for schizophrenia among all the suicide victims in Finland, which accords with the prevalence rates in previous psychological autopsy studies of unselected persons who commit suicide. The unique representativeness of this study sample allowed them to investigate the variation of comorbid symptoms and disorders among suicide victims with schizophrenia. However, the study shared a methodological limitations of other psychological autopsy studies, possible informant and interview bias, problems with the res- retrospective diagnostic procedure, and varying levels of information about the suicide victims. The reliability of the retrospective best estimate diagnosis method proved to be good in the previous study of the Finnish National Suicide Prevention Project, as well as in this study. Further, the validity of the retrospective provisional diagnosis in this study was found to be excellent when the provisional diagnosis were compared to the clinical schizophrenia diagnosis of the Finnish Hospital Discharge Register. Overall, the stringent documentation for diagnosis and the lack of standardized interview methods probably led to underestimation of both schizophrenic, schizophrenic, especially negative and comorbid symptoms. 
Drake et al. reported that young persons with schizophrenia are at greater risk for suicide during the non-psychotic depressed phase. However, in the study, they found that the majority of the suicide victims were in the active phase of schizophrenia at the time of suicide, regardless of age and illness duration. This result may be due to the comprehensive data collected in the study, which included information on the mental state close to the time of suicide. The rate of current depression in the present study was 64% and accords with previous findings documenting with an average of 60% of the suicide victims suffering from an affective symptoms. While the first 10 years of illness are reportedly the period of higher risk for suicide among young subjects with schizophrenia who experience depressive symptoms, the possibility clinically important relationships of later illness stages and older age to depression have remained obscure. The researchers found depressive syndromes most commonly among the young and old men, but in the young and middle-aged women. Illness duration had similar effects on the variation of depressive symptoms in the two sexes. The later age or at the highest prevalence peak of depressive syndrome among women is perhaps explained by the later onset of schizophrenic illness. Because the number of women was small in this study, the findings of age specificity in the clinical characteristics are only really suggestive, although they derive from a representative sample of female suicide victims with schizophrenia. The proportions of alcoholism and other substance abuse have been reported rarely and have been found to be highly variable among suicide victims with schizophrenia. Record-based studies indicate comorbid alcoholism to be about 3 to 19%. But in a psychological autopsy study, Rich et al. found substance abuse in as many as 63%. Alcoholism about 21%, and other substance abuse are about 3%, were moderately infrequent in this study. In relation to the findings by Richard Tao, the study included more suicide victims with schizophrenia, both sexes, all age groups, and both rural and urban living settings, which may explain this disparity. In this research, the proportion of comorbid alcoholism was highest amongst the middle-aged men, about 45%. This frequency is similar to the rate of alcoholism in a representative sample of suicide victims among the general public in Finland during the same time period, which sat about 43%. Whereas the overall rate of alcoholism was lower among the suicide victims with schizophrenia. In the majority of outcome studies on schizophrenia, women are characterized by a more favorable illness course as measured by social functioning. In this study, the sexes did not differ significantly in sociodemographic variables. Not being married and living alone were strongly related to suicide among women with schizophrenia. In one previous controlled study, which relates to these findings in this study as well. Further, unlike non-suicidal women with schizophrenia, 
the women in this study had more hospital admissions than men, which was not explained by their somewhat longer illness duration. Perhaps women are more prone to seek help and thus have more hospital admissions. On the other hand, in the study, the sexes were alike in treatment variables. The sexes also differed in the timing of suicide in relation to the illness relapse. Women were more likely to commit suicide during acute exacerbations of the illness. And the findings for sex sociodemographic features and illness characteristics might indicate that female suicide victims with schizophrenia tend to have a very severe illness course with frequent relapses and poor social outcomes. Previous studies on suicide among subjects with schizophrenia have shown violent suicide methods to be most common. Whereas this study found drug overdose to be the most frequent method. Female sex aged between 33 and 44 years and a probably greater availability of psychotropic medication to outpatients and inpatients were strongly associated with suicidal drug overdose. In conclusion, it was found in this study that suicides occurred throughout the entire course of schizophrenia, although most often during active illness. This is at somewhat at variance with previous study findings. Overall, illness duration did not associate significantly with many of the clinical characteristics studied, whereas age, sex, and their interaction did. For women, depressive symptoms such as suicide attempts during the year before suicide were most common for the suicide victims in the middle age group, 33 to 44. Whereas for men, middle age was associated with the lowest rate of depressive symptoms, but the highest frequently, frequency of alcoholism. The use of violent suicide methods was greatest among the young. Drug overdose was most common among the middle-aged men and old women. The possibility that risk factors for suicide among subjects with schizophrenia vary accordingly to sex and age. And the researcher said that this should be further investigated. To back up this study a little more, there has been other researchers into this phenomenon. In 2002, Conley et al. produced an article in the Schizophrenic Research Journal called Circumstances of Suicide Among Individuals with Schizophrenia. In this article, the authors state that there is very little known about the circumstances surrounding suicides in people with schizophrenia. Between September 1989 and August 1998, 15 and 100 suicide victims and without schizophrenia respectively, were examined from the Maryland Brain Collection, the MBC. Next of kin inter were interviewed and medical records were reviewed following the death and collected a demographic and clinical characteristics, family history, psychiatric symptoms, and variable surroundings surrounding the suicide. Individuals with schizophrenia exhibited significantly more lifetime depressive symptoms than those without schizophrenia. 
Jumping from a height was the most frequently used method among people with schizophrenia, about 40%. Whereas gunshot wounds were most common among persons without schizophrenia, about 37%. A trend was noted for the smaller proportion of those with schizophrenia, 20% to plan the suicide compared to 47% of those without the disorder. The suicide in schizophrenia is a significant clinical problem. Thus, prior suicidal activity and depressive symptoms should be addressed because the opportunities to intervene immediately before the act are limited. I know I only just gave two studies there, but the consensus of the majority of the studies, if you did Google schizophrenia and suicide, is that it is actually a significant problem with this disorder. Many people are worried, as I said last week, about schizophrenics being violent, but as also I mentioned last week, schizophrenics are more likely to be violent towards themselves. And I think that there does, as that last Um, study said Connolly et al that there does need to be a lot more research into this but there also needs to be a lot more support around the person who is suffering with schizophrenic disorder as there is very limited time they don't plan it they don't plan things out they just do things and this is something which could possibly be intervened if there was a strong support network around the person with the disorder I think this is definitely a subject which needs to have so much more research we've had a lot of research done into schizophrenia but it's still a very much an unknown and there's still such a wide variety of symptoms and different parts of schizophrenia that can happen and different levels and different ages which it can come out and I just think that there needs to be a lot more research into this To finish off on last week, I'm carrying on the list of famous people who suffered with schizophrenia. One that I was very surprised with is Mary Todd Lincoln. From 1818 to 1882, the wife of Abraham Lincoln and the first lady of the United States. Mary Todd Lincoln was the wife of America's 16th president, Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln was highly motivated to pursue his increasingly successful law career and Mary had the same fierce ambition for success. She was a member of a large, wealthy Kentucky family and was well-educated. Before she married Lincoln, Mary was courted by his longtime political opponent, Stephen Douglas. She and Lincoln had four sons together, only one of whom outlived her. In February 1862, her son Willie died at the age of 11 years old. After his death, Mary spent a considerable amount of money to pay for mediums and spiritualists to try and contact her dead son. She supported her husband throughout his presidency and she witnessed his fatal shooting when they were together at the president's box at Ford Theatre on 10th Street in Washington. Mary had a history of migraines, mental illness, mood swings, fierce temper, public outbursts throughout Lincoln's presidency as well as excessive spending. 
Many historians and psychologists speculate that Mary suffered from bipolar disorder and or schizophrenia. Rufus May, a clinical psychologist, age of diagnosis 18. An interesting inclusion on the list of famous people with schizophrenia is Rufus May, a British clinical psychologist. He is most widely known for using his own experience as a psychiatric patient to promote alternative recovery approaches for those experiencing psychotic symptoms. Upon completion of his clinical psychology training, he disclosed that he had spent time in the hospital due to a diagnosis of schizophrenia. He was diagnosed with schizophrenia in 1986 at the age of 18 and was compulsorily detained in a psychiatric hospital on three occasions. What makes Rufus so interesting is his personal understanding of the psychotic experiences as a reaction to experiences of emotional loss and social isolation. In his teens, he reports to have begun daydreaming intensely and became preoccupied with the world he was imagining. He also began to experience sleep serious deprivation. He developed ideas as he was an apprentice spy for the British Secret Service and he also experienced messages from the radio and television. This eventually led to the three admissions to Hackney Hospital within 14 months. After a year of receiving psychiatric drug treatment, Rufus decided to stop being involved with the psychiatric services and stop taking the drugs he was being prescribed. He then used exercise, creative activities, social relationships and voluntary work to regain his well-being. He currently works as a clinical psychologist in assertive outreach team in Bradford in England. He is actively involved in consumer recovery groups such as the Hearing Voices Network and the Bradford Mental Health Discussion Campaign Group's Evolving Mind. John Nash, 1928 to 2015, American mathematician. Age of diagnosis, 31. John Nash is an American mathematician working in a differential geometry, game theory, and partial differential equations. The nationally acclaimed Hollywood movie, A Beautiful Mind, was made representing Nash's life and was nominated for eight Oscars. The movie was based on his mathematical genius and his struggles with schizophrenia. He was often rejected by his classmates and would typically laugh it off with practical jokes and intellectual superiority. He viewed everyday life as little more than distractions from his scientific work. His work had provided insight into the factors that govern chance and decision-making inside complex systems found in daily life. His theories are used in economics, computing, evolutionary biology, artificial intelligence, accounting, computer science, games of skill, politics, and military theory. Serving as a senior research mathematician at Princeton University during the latter part of his life, he shared the 1994 Nobel Memorial Prize in Economic Sciences with game theorist Reinhard Silton and John Hasney. In 2015, he was awarded the Abel Prize for his work on nonlinear partial differential equations. Nash was awarded the John von Neumann Theory Prize for his invention of non-cooperative equilibria now called the Nash Equilibria. 
Between 1945 and 1996, he had published a total of 23 scientific studies. But Nash's mental health first began to manifest in the form of paranoia, his wife later describing his behaviour as erratic. Nash seemed to believe that all men who wore red ties were part of a communist conspiracy against him. He was admitted to McLean Hospital in 1959, staying through May of the same year. He was diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia. Ingo Switzenberg, 1965 to 1999. Drummer. One of the many sad tales of famous people with schizophrenia is the short life of Ingo Switzenberg. He was a German board drummer and one of the founding members of the German power metal band Halloween. Switzenberg was known throughout the international music community for his high energy drumming and ear to ear smile. His driving rhythm and proficiency on the drums has been imitated by very many power metal bands throughout the 1990s. Switzenberg was fired from the band in 1993 due to the tour of the album Chameleon. The dismissal was reportedly due to Switzenberg's dependence on alcohol and drugs, most notably cocaine. Switzenberg also suffered from schizophrenia and his refusal to take his medication would lead to bizarre episodes such as uncontrollable sobbing, which made him impossible to perform on stage. After his ejection from the band, Switzenberg slid further and further into his schizophrenic episodes, culminating in his suicide by jumping in front of a subway train. Skip Spence, 1946 to 1999, musician and singer-songwriter, age of diagnosis, 23. Alexander Lee Skip Spence was a Canadian-born American musician and singer-songwriter. He began his career as a guitarist in the early lineup of the Quicksilver Messenger Service, and he was the drummer on the Jefferson Airplane's debut album, Jefferson Airplane Takes Off. He was also one of the co-founders of the Moby Grape and played the guitar with the group until 1969. He released one solo album, Awe, and then withdrew from the music industry. His career was plagued by drug addiction and mental health problems. In the late 1960s, Spence became delusioned after taking too much acid. He was found marching around his hotel room with an axe, bashing down doors and claiming he was the Antichrist. At this point, he was taken to Bellevue Hospital, where he was formally diagnosed with schizophrenia. Spence died in 1999 from lung cancer, two days before his 53rd birthday. Jean Tierney, 1920 to 1991, American actress. Jean Eliza Tierney was an American film and stage actress. She was acclaimed as a great beauty and became established as a leading lady in a short period of time. Tierney was the best known for her portrayal of the title character in the film Laura in 1944. She was nominated for an Academy Award Best Actress for her performance as Ellen Barrett Harland in Leave Her to Heaven in 1945. There were several different difficult events in her personal life and she struggled for years with episodes of what was to be thought manic depression or schizophrenia. In 
1943, she gave birth to a daughter who was deaf and mentally disabled, a result of a fan breaking out of rubella quarantine and infecting the pregnant Thierry when she was volunteering at the Hollywood Canteen. In 1953, she suffered problems with concentration, which affected her film appearances. She consulted a psychiatrist and was admitted to Harkness Pavilion in New York. Later, she went to the Institute of Living in Hartford, Connecticut. After some 27 shock treatments intended to alleviate severe depression, Tierney fled the facility but was caught and returned. She later became outspoken and opponent of shock treatment therapy, claiming it had destroyed significant portions of her memory. Tierney died of emphysema in 1991 in Houston. Vincent van Gogh, 1853 to 1890, artist. Among the most famous schizophrenic people is world-renowned artist Vincent van Gogh. Van Gogh was a post-impressionist Dutch painter whose work had a far-reaching influence on 20th century art. His work included portraits, self-portraits, landscapes, and still life of cypresses, wheat fields, and sunflowers. He was reported to have drawn as a child, but did not paint until his late 20s. He completed many of his best-known works during the last two years of his life. In a short period of time, he produced more than 2,100 works of art, including 860 oil paintings and more than 1,300 watercolors, drawings, sketches, and prints. The artist lived at a time when schizophrenia had not yet been identified as a disorder, but many medical professions today believe Van Gogh suffered from it. His unstable moods and eccentric personality led to 150 doctors to hypothesize a posthumous diagnosis. Van Gogh had reoccurring psychotic episodes in the last two years of his life, and at 37 he committed suicide by shooting himself in the chest with her revolver. Wesley Willis, 1963 to 2003, singer-songwriter, age of diagnosis 23. Wesley Willis was a singer and songwriter, as well as a visual artist, appearing on Wiley View shows on MTV and The Howard Stern Show. In 1989, Willis began hearing what he called demons, and he was diagnosed as having paranoid schizophrenia. He was institutionalized for two months after his diagnosis. He often mentioned that his demons were named Heartbreaker, Nerve Wrecker, and Mean Sucker. Willis is among the list of famous people with schizophrenia to use his symptoms and put them to his advantage. He called his psychotic episodes hell rides and alternatively he declared rock and roll to be the joy ride music. It was only after his diagnosis and honestly about his diagnosis and symptoms that his career took flight. Willis gained a cult following that enjoyed his strange and comical lyrics, largely inspired by his disorder. He was diagnosed with chronic leukemia and died in 2003 at age 40. Brian Wilson, musician and member of the Beach Boys. Brian Douglas Wilson was born in 1942 and became an American musician, singer, songwriter and record producer, best known for being the co-founder of the Beach Boys. In 
He formed the band in 1961 and had a long string of hits. Moving beyond the cheery harmonies and catchy hooks that characterised his early music, Wilson elevated himself and the Beach Boys to state source of rock legends with the release of the acclaimed album Pet Sounds in 1966. He used unorthodox approaches to the song composition and arrangement and was a master of recording techniques. He is widely acknowledged as one of the most innovative and influential creative forces in popular music by critics and musicians alike. His childhood was tumultuous, which led to years of battling drug and alcohol abuse and mental illness. After his father died in 1973, his addiction and mental illness took a turn for the worse, and he spent nearly two years secluded in the chauffeur's quarters above his home. He slept, abused alcohol, drugs, including heroin, overate, and exhibited self-destructive behaviour. He attempted to drive his vehicle off a cliff, and at another time demanded that he be pushed and buried into a grave he had dug in his backyard. During this period, his voice deteriorated significantly as a result of his mass consumption of cocaine and incessant chain smoking. He also admitted to having auditory hallucinations, meaning he hears voices and has been diagnosed with schizophrenia. Wilson revived his career and released several solo albums in the 1990s, and he was inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1988. He was honored by the Kennedy Center in 2007 for a lifetime contribution to the performing arts. I know a lot of these stories of famous people are inherently quite sad, but also I think it's good to end on a positive note that even though these disorders are so struggling and so hard to live with, and I cannot pretend to understand what it's like to live with one like schizophrenia. I, I don't know how I would deal with it personally, and I can't comment on that, but I just think these people are so brilliant how even the last Brian Wilson, how he had gone into the real depths of darkness, digging his own grave, trying to drive off a cliff. But somehow he managed to pull himself out of that and create some beautiful music afterwards through all that darkness and pain. I think the one thing that I want to really try and take away from all of my series of disorder is that yes, we need to have people around us. We need to be able to get help and have that psychiatric help and have that availability. But if you have a strong support structure around you, people who are loving and willing to support you and be there to help you, then that mitigates a good majority of the problem. My sources this week were this two journals. So one was from Science Direct, and that was the Schizophrenic Research article. I've put the link in the show notes down below so you can actually find that one. And also I did actually have the full PDF document, which I have actually attached the link to as well for the article that came out in 1997 from the American Psychiatric Journal, which was the long one that I did um, from Finland. 
I also used online psychology degrees to get the information on the famous people with schizophrenia. Thank you for listening to another episode of Macabre for Mortals. I hope that you enjoyed the third part to this schizophrenia series. Over the next two weeks, I am going to be covering um, slightly lighter topics, not ones that I'm going to do a big series about. Next week, I'm going to try and um, hit a lighter topic. I'm not really quite sure what yet. If you have any ideas, and please just pop me an email at macabreformortals at gmail.com or send me a DM on Instagram at macabreformortals. And then, as I said, the week after that is my year anniversary of this podcast. And it is really encouraging to have actually achieved a whole year because I started this podcast when the majority of the world was in lockdown, probably like many people did. But I've actually really enjoyed finding out all different information and really researching into things that I do have a keen interest in as well. And actually having people listen to it and then be interested too. So thank you so much for giving this a listen and I really do appreciate it. If you do, as I said, have any studies, any subject, anything at all that you'd like to cover or for me to do a bit of a deep dive in, then please, as I said, just send me an email. But I hope wherever you are in the world that you're keeping safe here in Australia, in Queensland. I'm very lucky at the moment. We are currently not in a lockdown, but fingers crossed we don't have to as poor New South Wales and Victoria are currently locked down at the moment. And I really do feel for them. My heart does go out for them, especially Victorians. This is, I think, their fifth lockdown. And for New South Wales, it's getting into five weeks, which... I know for the majority of the world, this is nothing at all, especially for some of you who had had months and months of lockdowns. So I hope that everybody is keeping safe and I hope you have an amazing week. Thank you and bye.